The Old Testament lesson is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 51, verses 1 through 6. Everlasting salvation for Zion. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was but one, and I blessed him and made him many. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. The law will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. My righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way. and My arm will bring justice to the nations. The islands will look to me and wait and hope for my arm. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look at the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment and its inhabitants die like flies. By my, but my salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. The epistle reading is from Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through, verses tw- through chapter 12, verse 8, on uh, page 1122 of the Church Bible. Doxology. Oh, the depth of the riches of the, wis- of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tra- tracing out! Who has known the mind of the Lord? or who has been his counselor, who has ever given to God that God should repay him. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Living Sacrifices. There I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leading, if it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. The gospel reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 through 20, on page 972 of the Church Bible. And out of reference to the gospel, please rise as you are able. Peter's Confession of Christ. 
When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what, but what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but, my, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome, overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. This ends the God. Please be seated. Well, I want you to know it is an honor and a privilege for me to be able to be with you and, and to say to you that you have God's grace and, and you have God's peace and you have God's mercy in our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. We're going to look at the gospel lesson for this morning, uh, especially verse 16 of Matthew chapter 16. Simon Peter answers, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, may these words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. So do you have any convictions? I'm hoping that your answer to that is both yes and no. No in the sense of, I hope you don't have any convictions, you know, a rap sheet something that you've been in trouble with the law for, convicted of. But I do hope that, yes, you do have some convictions, things that steer your life, things that you have come to hold to be the truth. Now, sometimes some of those convictions get a little shaken. How many of you have some convictions about the Minnesota Vikings? Perhaps a little shaky after an 03 preseason start as to your conviction that, yeah, this is the year that we're going to the Super Bowl. I'll pray for you. <laughs> Convictions, things that shape your life, that influence you, that move your choices. Do you have any? How about when it comes to Jesus Christ. What are your convictions regarding Jesus Christ? Who do you say that he is? When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? What would you say? I kind of think I know what your answer would be. I think your answer would be along the lines of what Peter answered in behalf of all the other disciples. Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Is that your conviction regarding Jesus Christ? If it is, you are blessed. You are blessed in many ways if that is your personal conviction 
regarding Jesus. And, and here's why you're blessed. Remember when I earlier asked if you had any convictions and of the negative type and that I hope that you didn't have any? But the truth be told, you do. As do I. Sin is what our felonies are. I mean, if, if you were to stand trial and you were to be tried by the Ten Commandments, what would you stand convicted of? Finish the sentence. I would be convicted of having... I would be convicted of being... And it's all there, isn't it? I mean, if we say we have no sin, no convictions, the truth is not in us. Correct? Now listen to this Bible passage. This is a great Bible passage for people like you and me, people who have a record. If you, O oh Lord, kept a record of sins, O oh Lord, who could stand to stop there? We know the answer to that question, don't we? None of us could stand. If God kept a record of, of our convictions. But then it goes on to say this. But there is forgiveness with you. Is that something that you are convinced of? That there is forgiveness with God for your convictions? You know, there are a couple of things, I think, that can get in the way of that or create doubts in our minds as to whether or not God does really forgive, make it personal that he has really forgiven me. One of them is a guilty conscience. The other is circumstances, or not circumstances, but rather um, consequences that do come with sin. Now, keeping in mind that a conviction is based on convincing evidence, let me bring forward to you today two exhibits to give you convincing evidence that with God there is forgiveness, that he doesn't keep a record of our sins. The first exhibit I bring to you is my namesake, King David. No, my parents didn't give me the name King. They just called me David. His sins are well known, aren't they? I mean, for a while, he was able to keep them covered. The adultery, the setting up Uriah uh, to be killed in the line of battle, the, to make it all look good. But then God sent a prophet by the name of Nathan to David. And he told him a, a story, a, a parable about a, a rich guy with lots of sheep and a, another guy who only had one and how he took the one this guy did and from the poor guy and used that for his celebration rather than his own. And that brought David into a sense of righteous anger. Well, that guy should really get it. And 
Nathan looks David in the eye and says, you are the man convicted of his sin. Then David went on to write this in Psalm 32. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. That's exhibit number one. A convicted sinner who became convinced that with God there is forgiveness. So much so that a little later in scripture, you know what David is called? A man after God's heart. You see the forgiveness there of that man, that sinner? Exhibit number two. Like King David, this uh, man's record of sins became a matter of public record. In fact, it was so public uh, that on trial he was convicted of these serious matters and convicted to die by crucifixion. And when he was hanging on a cross, dying for his sins, he was being crucified with two other men. And another guy who had the same criminal record as he did had some doubts about the guy who was in the middle, on the middle cross between them, Jesus. And he says to him, if you're the Christ, save us and yourself. But the guy that we know as a penitent thief on the cross, listen to his conviction. The other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. There you have exhibit number two of God not keeping a record of someone's sins, of God forgiving someone all of their sins. And I could bring countless other exhibits from scripture to you, testifying to the fact that with God there is forgiveness for you. And he has done that because of all that Jesus Christ, who he was, and what he did. He took every one of your convictions and owned it as his own. And that's why he was on the cross in the middle of those two guys that day. And that's why he died. For you, for me. So that we could be convinced that with God there is forgiveness of all of our sins. And that's why you are blessed to have the conviction you have regarding Jesus Christ. In fact, you are doubly blessed to have that conviction because that conviction you have in your heart of Jesus being your Savior, that is a gift from God. As Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, 
but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Now, for many of us, that moment of revealing to us who Jesus is took place in our baptism. That's why Scripture says of baptism, baptism does now also save you because it gives you faith in Jesus and brings you that forgiveness of sins. For others of us, it came when we heard God's word. For God's Holy Spirit promises to work faith through, it, through his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the message of Christ. So you've been baptized and you've heard the word and the spirit has worked in your heart to convince you and give you the conviction that Jesus is my Savior. He lived and died for me. And because he did, God keeps no record of my sins. I am forgiven. You are forgiven for the sake of Jesus. So who do you say that Jesus is? By the gracious working of the Spirit, we say he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And there's at least one more blessing that comes with that conviction. And it's the blessing of a conviction that shapes and forms and steers our lives. This is a conviction that we live out, this conviction of faith. And it is so important in our day and age that you and I, as people who are convinced of who Jesus is, that we live out this conviction so that others can see who Jesus is. Because much like back in this day when Jesus is asking Peter, who do people say to I, that I am? So you go to your local grocery store, you go to your local coffee shop, and you go up to people and you start asking them, who do you say that Jesus is? What kind of answers do you think you'll get? I'm willing to bet that at least one out of every three people that you talk to will have no idea as to who Jesus is or will have some kind of conviction that he's just another person or yeah, he's a prophet, but no, he's nothing special. One out of every three at best. And I think the number is rising in terms of people who have no convictions about Jesus Christ. Your confession of faith, your living out your faith, is all part of God's plan to carry out his primary conviction. It is the good and gracious will of God that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. I usually don't say this, but today I'm gonna to break one of my preaching commandments and say in conclusion, listen to this prayer. It's from an old portals of prayer. And as I say the words, I just pray that you in your heart will be following along and praying this prayer from your conviction, being convinced as to who Jesus is and our world's desperate need for you to be living out your faith in the circle of life where God has placed you. 
Lord God, you have redeemed me from sin, death, and the power of Satan through the life, death, and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, my Savior. You have brought me to faith through the water and word of holy baptism, and you have kept me in faith through the ongoing work of the Spirit through your word and sacrament. As you have made me your child, grant that I may look upon those whom I meet today as people for whom Jesus died. Help me to share his grace with others. This day may I live out my faith in harmony with your will and let the light of my Christian convictions be a witness to many. For Jesus' sake, amen. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.